Hi there. It's 6 p.m. in Prague, midday in Manhattan, and the start of a new day somewhere. It's a little misty out. Looks like winter's coming soon. Welcome to the Progcast. pilot episode of a brand new podcast, a regular look at life in the Czech Republic through the eyes of members of the NYU Study Abroad program in Prague. I'm Laura Zablit. Thanks for joining us. Month one has just ended and we're just starting to see past our first impressions of this beautiful city in Central Europe. Mom and Dad are dying to know how we're doing. One of the biggest aspects of living in a foreign country is the difference in language, especially in the Czech language, where the words sound different and sometimes simply unrecognizable. The language barrier becomes much more prominent, which makes it difficult for visitors to adjust to a new country. So here's McKenna Bigelow and Yena O oh with more. Learning a new language is difficult. Learning a new language while simultaneously immersing yourself into its culture? Now that's a feat unto itself. The Czech language is especially difficult to grasp because it has Slavic roots. And as Americans, it sounds peculiar to us. That's why I underline this, because it's a name. Okay. During orientation, students had to attend a mandatory intensive Czech class so that we understood basic interactions. I spoke to Yiji Novak, one of the professors who teaches Czech at New York University. I think you're very close to the actual pronunciation. There are, of course, it's not, it's say, about 80, 70 percent of the authentic Czech speakers. But uh, I think all the students always try very hard. Some of them are better at that. Some of them are worse, of course. For example, the letter Z is always a problem for everyone. Mm-hmm. And numerals like 33, 34, are very popular <laughs> with students, of course. But yeah, I think if they practice, you know, they can get on. Not, they, they can't speak like Czech speakers, of course. But the, the pronunciation is very comprehensible. One of the students in Yiji's Czech class, Allegra Tedris, told me what she found hard and easy about the Czech language. I think it makes it hard because I'm used to learning Romance languages, which all have like a similar structure, and Czech is totally different grammar-wise. I think it's easy once you learn like which letters make which sounds. They always are the same. There, I feel like there's not a lot of exceptions. Some idioms and customs found in America are often lost in translation. Despite attempts to order food in Czech, sometimes waiters are confused by our customs. I recently went to a restaurant where we wanted to order a dish to share with the table, but only ended up confusing the waitress. We're going to get the, the apple quesadilla just to share. This is that? Um, yeah. The, the apple quesadilla just like to share for everyone. No, 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 it's okay, thank you. It's okay, thank you so much. But the language barrier is perhaps most prominent in the smallest details, such as finding the right metro stop. What was once background noise in our everyday American lives may suddenly become a frustration. The Americans take for granted that so much of the world can speak English, but when living in a foreign country like the Czech Republic, 
it is surprising just how much the differences in language can affect our everyday lives. That's how you say, do you speak English? And it's about the only Czech I know. I do know how to say beer, though. Pivo. And here it's pretty darn cheap. Like many of us, Lillian Marks has found out, to her benefit and to her cost, how cheap some things are here and how quickly it adds up. Here's her postcard to mom. Dearest mother, I am writing to ask you for $109. The thing is that I have run into some unforeseen expenses. I have tried to detail these costs below. The average Czech drinks 148.6 liters of beer annually. This is equivalent to 297.2 large beers, or Velky Piva. I hope, mother, that in assessing whether or not to provide me with the sum I have requested, that is exactly $109, you will take into account the hard work I am putting into expanding my linguistic horizons. So, 297.2 Velky Piva. At 25 crowns a glass, well, really, mother, really a glass is more like 35 crowns if you speak mostly English and do not know where to look, as is, regrettably, my present situation. Anyhow, 35 crowns a glass, the average Czech would spend 10,395 crowns annually on beer. I would like to draw your attention briefly to the fact that, reasoning from Wikipedia, this figure represents 41% of the gross annual income of the average Czech. I hope that this puts things into perspective. I imagine that 10,000 crowns is probably something like a drop in the bucket for you, whereas in the Czech Republic, it is clearly the norm to make tremendous sacrifices in order to enjoy this cultural hallmark and simple luxury, namely beer. There are 220 calories on a large pilsner. As we have already established, consumption of at least 297 liters of pilsner per year is requisite. At this rate, I would have to visit the gym 218 times annually to burn off all the beer. That's 8,720 crowns. I am only here for three months, so approximately $109, which, as a point of interest, would buy 62 Velky Pilsner. I hope, Mother, that you will understand my current predicament and acquiesce to send me the funds I have requested. Perhaps, to be safe, we should make it around $200. I am in college, after all. With love, from your daughter. And you know, I think the first impression of the September bank account statement is a lasting one. First impressions work both ways. While we're soaking up the new surroundings, the locals are surveying us. Abroad in Prague, where American expats and tourists abound, one can't help but wonder what native Czechs think of the Americans they see around town. Lillian Marks and Jena O oh took to the streets of Prague to find out. So what do I think about American tourists in Prague? Yes. Uh, congratulations to them, because they finally see some culture, and uh, because they know, usually don't know the map, right? And... Uh, Hopefully they get to know some uh, some good people here and uh, maybe they're going to live here sometime. It's a good experience for them. 
So I find most of the Americans being very excited about being in Europe, being in Prague. Uh, but at the same time, I have to say that, like, let's say having a group of American tourists just visiting Prague for a couple of days or something, I feel like they are not ready to try everything from like the local perspective they're still searching for places that are same as in America you know which definitely is not uh, authentic at all for Czech culture I think Americans I've met here at NYU are really nice guys but the image we get are really like from TV shows and documentaries and the documentaries are about hobos with shotguns <laughs> And the TV shows are about people living in Manhattan. So we, we, we were biased, people. you know. We, we know have... New York people, travelers, and hobos with shotguns. Yeah, we know that. The people who travel from America are really nice. We like, we really like them, and that's that's our image about America. You know, that's what we think about yeah, you guys. Yeah. But the people who stay home, at least what I heard from Americans that travel, are not as nice as the people who travel. You know, like the people who stay home and just. They just don't know anything about the world and yeah. Well, I didn't really meet that many Americans at all, so it's hard to answer that question. But I mean, those I met were quite nice, but I don't really talk to them because there's no need in that. The Americans are quite anonymous. <laughs> all things considered, that was a lot better than it could have been, right? And for us students experiencing the Czech world, the same applies. Interacting with foreign people, locations, and even foods is often worth the try, even if it's not all a memorable culinary experience. College students aren't exactly known for their healthy eating habits. That said, the rich and bizarre combination characteristic of traditional Czech dishes can be a little overwhelming for the average American student. Nakladeni hermelin, or pickled cheese, I believe I said it right, has a particularly daunting ring to it. So we sent Ty Matsunaga and Lillian Marks to find out just what this classic Czech pub snack is made of. So we're chopping onions and peppers to garnish our marinated cheese, nakladeni hermelin. But what's this dish really made of anyways? Our RA Teresa showed a group of students how to make it. So this is nakladeni hermelin, it's called uh, marinated cheese, and it's basically cheese, something like brie, that is marinated in sunflower oil, and you add garlic, onions, and various other ingredients to it. You set it aside for two to four days in a fridge, probably, <laughs> and then you can eat it. After much chopping, seasoning, and mixing, we're ready for the final stages of preparation. One of our tasters, Vicky, put the finishing touches on this piece of Czech gastronomy. Okay, I'm opening up the oil. Now I'm going to pour the oil over the cheese. Close the container. Now I'm putting it in the fridge. Three days later... So you only you you when you put like the vegetables with the cheese on the plate, then a lot of the oil comes off of the vegetables, and then people will like dip the bread in the oil because it's usually kind of can get a bit spicy because of the chili peppers and normal pepper and stuff like that. Hmm. So the outer taste is like tastes almost like Italian dressing. And then the cheese itself is extremely moist, 
and um, I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna take another bite. To me, it doesn't even taste like cheese. It tastes more like um, mayo mixed with like something. Maybe, maybe mayo mixed with cheese. I don't know. It's like really rich and um, thick. These bay leaves? I've never seen that in a cheese before. Okay. Here I go. Smells very oniony. Lots of pepper in it. Okay. It's really smooth. But you get that sliminess from like the oil, which you don't really get in American cheese. But it tastes good overall. Very smooth. And it's something like that doesn't repulse you because it's so different. It's definitely like a cheese you recognize, even though it's like a Czech version of what we're used to. So there you have it, folks. Nakladeny hermeline, or marinated cheese. Would we eat it on a regular basis? Probably not, but at least we can say we've tried. Now, if you'll excuse us, we're going to go brush our teeth. For once, talking about eating isn't making me hungry. Thanks to Ty and Lillian for the new diet technique. But of course, once again, this is just a first impression. Perhaps after several beers, it would taste a little better. Speaking of nasty eating experiences, McKenna Bigelow got a hold of one student who went on a rather different restaurant adventure. She was robbed. Prague is notorious for sneaky pickpockets. It was the first thing I heard before coming here, and it was drilled in our heads throughout our orientation. As students, we were constantly on the lookout for people behind us on the metro or walking past us in Old Town Square. But what happens when you let your guard down for one split second? I sat down with a victim of crime who preferred to remain anonymous, and I asked her to tell me what had happened. So I was out to dinner with some friends, and I left my bag um, strapped around my chair. And when I came back, I went to the bathroom, and I came back, and it was gone, and my wallet and phone um, had been taken with it. So when you came back from the bathroom and saw your bag was gone, what did you think? Uh, I freaked out, obviously, and I didn't really know what to do because nobody had seen what happened. So I naturally just was very scared and then mad at myself for leaving it there and sad that all my stuff was gone. So when you first came to Prague, before this even happened, what was your first impressions of pitpocketing? Like what did you hear? Did someone tell you to be careful? Or what happened? People all told me to be careful and I thought I was going to be wandering the street or something and just all my stuff was going to be taken out of my bag. So I didn't really... Um, know what to expect and it's so much different than the states when we can be so safe with our stuff but we really have to remember that we're in a place that it can get stolen very easily. So did you ever think this would happen to you? No I didn't think it would happen to me and I hoped it wouldn't. As a result of this are you more cognizant of your surroundings? Definitely I'm never gonna leave anything at a table by itself again. Give a step-by-step -step as to what happened next. What did you do about your phone? How did you call your parents? Etc. Well, I had to borrow somebody else's phone and cancel my service um, and cancel my debit card and then call my parents and they were not too happy. Did you get a new phone and new credit card? How did you get that from America? Yeah, that was the annoying part. I had to get a new phone shipped and um, my debit card shipped to me as well. So my mom shipped that from home and it took a little while and then I had to go pick it up through customs, but it eventually all got here. Approximately how many weeks did it take for you to get back to normal? It took about four weeks, so it took a while. 
do you have any tips as to how to prevent this from happening ever again? Well, don't leave yourself um, sitting alone by itself. Even if someone's at the table, uh, it could still get stolen just right out from under you. And then always close your bags, especially like on the metro or in crowded areas, and make sure that um, you carry all valuables close to you. And I know that this is far from the only instance where a classmate has learned the hard way. It's all part of the experience, learning from both the positive and the negative. And all of it is valuable. We're learning to survive in a new urban environment. Speaking of which, no two cities sound the same, of course. Close your eyes while standing on a New York City corner in Midtown around rush hour, and you'll hear the steady buzz of traffic, hurried conversation, and more than a few honking horns, among other things. In Prague's Vinohrady district, the contrast for New York City citizens is startling. Lena Chappelle takes you on a journey through Prague 2 in sound. You've just shared an 8.30 a.m. journey to class with Lena Chappelle. We've been so happy to have you with us today. Thanks for sharing this with us. And thanks to our editor, Rob Cameron, and the whole ProgCast team. And special thanks to Griswold, who performed our original theme, which was composed especially for this podcast by Dalton Kaur. I'm Laura Zablit. As we say goodbye, we have one last first impression for you. It's a lot to process, being in a new city, new country, and new continent, studying and exploring all at the same time. But amidst all these first impressions, we asked students to sum up the whole inexplicable experience in one word. An adventure. Complicated. Eye-opening. Busy. New. I want to say unexpected. Amazing. Um, oh god. Um, it was a transition? Transitional, (laughs) that's my word. Exciting? Wonderful, thank you. Splendid. Diary. Dehydrating. (laughs) 